After a song like that, you ought to be thankful you're free. You're free. I'm glad I'm free. Doesn't mean we're perfect. It means we're free. We're still sinners. We're still sinners. We're just saved. Amen? And that's a good one. I hope and pray you're saved this morning. By the way, none of us deserve to be saved. But it's all because of His love for us. And I know that's not a popular message because we all think that we deserve love and all of us think we're lovable. But to be truthful, the Bible says that we're dead in our trespasses and sins. But I thank God the great emancipator freed us. And uh, sin had to be paid for. And I'm glad that Jesus Christ paid for the sin. And I'm thankful for that. Would you open your precious Bible this morning to the book of 1 Samuel? If you have been here and coming on Sundays, I started a series of messages many weeks ago on the life of David. And uh, we're probably going to be a long time looking at the life of David. There's quite to look at. There's quite to learn. And I have learned so much. It's been so helpful to me in these last few weeks studying. I've learned things that I've read hundreds of times but have really come out. One of them is in 1 Samuel chapter 16 there when the Lord said He sent Samuel to go to uh, Jesse's house to anoint a king. Even the man of God, Samuel, the prophet judge, he thought that he was going there to anoint the eldest son. Eliam, because that's, that's what you did. That was the traditions of men. You, you would to anoint the oldest son. When he got there, he found out he wasn't there anointing the, the oldest son. He was going to anoint the youngest son. And we found out that the Lord, God, does not look on the outside. He looks on the heart of man. And uh, that's very helpful to me. I'm glad that God looks upon the heart. Now, by the way, let me say... People can't see your heart. They can only see what you show them. So I want you to understand what is in the heart does affect everything else about life. We're glad that God said, I want to pick me out a king. And he went to the house and the family of Jesse and anointed this man, young man, David, watching the sheep. And so now we followed him all the way up to chapter 18. And uh, as we continue to look at the life of David, we've seen God work. We've seen the effects of jealousy. We have seen how David has behaved himself wisely. Uh, We've seen him being, this is very important, I hope all of you will listen. We see him being very submissive to the authority in his life. He was submissive to the authority in his life. First he was uh, submissive to his father. Then we see that he was even submissive to the king that now we find it's trying to kill him. He's still being submissive. We know now that uh, King Saul is eyeing David, and we know that King Saul will eye David until Saul's death. And all of this took place because of jealousy. Now, it all took place because everything changed in the life of David after he killed the giant. Now I want you to think about this. Everything changed in the life of David after the great victory of killing Goliath. I think all of us should make special note of this. Uh, Sometimes we think that our problems are not good. But listen, let's just imagine 
that David was never anointed king. He was never spotlighted. He would never left keeping watch over the sheep. Then he would have never have killed the giant. He would have never, the Bible said, and by the way, even the captain of the host, Abner, King Saul, all of them were afraid of, of, of giant Goliath. None of them would go out and fight him, but because David was just obeying his father, he seen this giant defying the armies of Israel and the true and living God. But let's just say, hypothetically speaking, that David was never spotlighted, never lived the kind of life that God wanted to anoint him king, didn't behave himself wisely, and he just continued to keep the sheep. Well, he would have never would have went and killed Goliath, but also all of his trouble wouldn't have started either. Because the moment he killed Goliath, and by the way, he didn't do it for praise. He didn't do it to marry King Saul's daughter. He did it because he said, all the earth should know that there's a real God in heaven. So his purpose, his motive was right, but because he did the right thing, Trouble came to his life. So I want to encourage all of you. Just because you've got trouble in your life does not mean you're doing the wrong thing. A lot of times the trouble and the problems come because you are doing the right thing. And because we see it here with King, with David, all of his problems started once he killed and had the great victory over the giant. Everything changed. So... We see all of this taking place. So from chapter 18 until his death, King Saul eyed and sought to kill David every day of his life. But in the midst of this point in David's life, we find an oasis. We find something beautiful here. We find a bright spot. And it's a picture of true friendship from the most unlikely people. The actual man that's trying to kill David, it's his son. Now, I want to look, I want to title this message, Picture of True Friendship. But I want all of you to put your spiritual caps on and look through the lens of spiritual eyes because we're going to look today at not just a friendship of two human beings, but this is a beautiful type. This is a beautiful picture of our great friend, our great heavenly friend, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think you'll see the similarities this morning. But I want you to notice in 1 Samuel, let's begin reading with chapter 18, verse 1. The Bible says this, And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul... That the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. I want you to notice these words. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant. Because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him, and gave it to David. And his garments, even to his sword, and to his bow, 
into his girdle. I'd like for you to turn to chapter 19 and let's read some more about the friendship of how Jonathan protected and loved David as his own soul. Look at chapter 19 of 1 Samuel verse 1. And Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father seeketh to kill thee. Now therefore I pray thee, take heed to thyself unto the morning and abide in a secret place and hide thyself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where thou art. And I will commune with my father of thee and what I see that I will tell thee. And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father, and said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he hath not sinned against thee, and because his works have been to thee were very good. For he did put his life in his hand, and slew the Philistine, and the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel. Thou sawest it, and didst rejoice. Wherefore went wilt thou sin against innocent blood, to slay David without a cause? And Saul hearkened to the voice of Jonathan. Isn't that beautiful? Now look, here's where Jonathan, the friend of David, is interceding on the behalf of David, his friend. And then I want you to notice, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read one verse in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. The Bible says this, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll help us this morning do what only you can do. Speak to our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now as we look at this passage, we see what a beautiful picture of true friendship between Jonathan and David. A beautiful thing here. In chapter 18, I thought this interesting. The Bible says, And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking. So you really have to go back to chapter 17, see what's taking place. So you see this picture now. I love this. I love this. Look at verse 57 of chapter 17. David just slew the giant. And as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul. I love this. Are y'all ready for this? With the head of the Philistine in his hand. He was carrying his trophy. Here this young, young boy, young man David went out and slew the Philistine with a sling and he's got his trophy still in his hand. He's got the head of the giant in his hand. Some of you ladies say, ooh, that's gross. It is. But it also is a testimony of where David went out and fought this giant, not in his power, but in the power of the Lord. And by the way, as King Saul is debriefing David and asking him, where are you from? Whose boy are you? He says, I am a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite. Now, here's what's amazing. After the debriefing, Jonathan obviously is standing near his father and there's something that Jonathan loves about David. Maybe it was the way David carried himself. Maybe it was because, man, he had the head of this giant in his hand. Maybe he loved how he spoke to his father. But the Bible says after he seen them speak, the Bible says Jonathan was knit with David. Beautiful picture here. And let's just talk about true friends a moment. But can I say, please keep your spiritual eyes. Look, by the way, all Christianity is about him. Amen. 
And when you look at the Bible, you should always be seen trying to find pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you look here, you don't have to look long. You'll see a beautiful foreshadow or a type or a symbol or a picture of our great heavenly friend, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice true friends. Number one, love as they love themselves. Now, can I just say, the Bible says right here in verse 1, The Bible said that Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now, that's a pretty big love. That is true, authentic love. When you love someone like you love yourself. Do you know who loves yourself the most? You. Do you know who loves me better than anybody else? You're looking at it. I love myself. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, we take care of ourselves. By the way, why do we go to the doctor? Because we love ourselves. Why do we, if some of us try to stay healthy, we we love ourselves. When we go to the doctor and they say, look, your cholesterol is too high, why do you take medicine? Because you love yourself. We love ourselves. But the Bible says true friends will love someone like themselves. Can I speak to every young person here just a second? And I know nobody's ready to be married. I understand that no one's ready to be married. But you're not even close if you're not ready to love that person like you love yourself. Now you'll grow in that as years come. But by the way, the Bible says true friends, David and Jonathan. Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. Their souls, the Bible said, were knit together. Uh, Really the Hebrew word there is bound up or knotted up together. What bonds, what what bonds true true friendship? What bonds people? Y'all ready? Love. Love. True Authentic love. True friends love their friend as themselves. We see it here. Jonathan loved David like he loved himself. That's true, authentic love. That's a covenant love. By the way, it reminds me of Jesus' really second great commandment. Here's what he said, to love your neighbor as what? Yourself. That's tough to do. But the Bible commands this love. Matthew chapter 22 verse 39 tells us it is a command that we are to love others as we love ourselves. That love is the truest form. When we love like that, we're loving like God loves. We love someone like we love Ourselves. Think about it. True friends love as they love themselves. And by the way, it's a beautiful picture. And we're going to hone all in on this at the end of the message. This is also a beautiful picture of how our great heavenly Father loves us as Himself. We see that love as they love. True friends love as they love themselves. Number two, true friends sacrifice for the other one. Now, by the way, we're here on Independence Day weekend. We're here because someone loved their country. This principle is true. Now, maybe a, maybe a soldier enlisted in the army just to get the GI Bill. I don't know. Maybe there are some soldiers that have enlisted because, hey, there's nothing else better to do. 
But when you read, or when I listen, and by the way, very few are living today, when you look back in the World War II era, which we're told are the greatest generation, and I would have to somewhat agree with that, here these men are school teachers, factory workers, and even Dick Winters of the 506 said, war does not make great men, but it certainly brings out the greatness of men. Something that they never planned on doing, but because they love their country, because they love freedom. And by the way, uh, when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, there was no problem enlisting recruits for our military. You know why? We're told in that history and point of time that our patriotism in our country was at an all-time high. I seen a statistic the other day, and the patriotism of our country is at an all-time low today. But may I remind you, I want to encourage you a little bit as I was encouraged. You know, I make reference to my grandfathers quite often. Both of my grandfathers were War II veterans. World War II veterans. My grandpa Leslie, my, my father's, my mother's father, he fought in the, uh, the Eastern Warfare. He fought in Germany. Actually, he, was, he fought. His greatest warfare was taking place in Rheinberg, Germany. It was called 88 Alley. If you know anything about World War II, the most feared weapon the Germans had was the 88 artillery. And Rheinberg, Germany was called uh, 88 Alley. My grandfather in his division of his armory infantry, he fought many and destroyed many of the 88s in Rheinberg. I heard very little about it growing up. I remember one time Derek and I was across the river and my grandfather for the first time in my life talked about the war. And it was about a 20 minute segment and that was it. He never discussed it. But my grandpa Brandon, he was in the Pacific. He was in the islands and uh, he was there when the Japs uh, surrendered. And, uh, but he, uh, <laughs> he, was, uh, he was quite something. And he was a little bit more vocal. No doubt about it. And so when uh, we had the Twin Towers fall, and uh, they were calling up for people. I did not realize it, but I looked at my grandpa, Brandon. He was sitting there in the living room. I said, Grandpa, we're not going to have the same kind of generation that stepped up and stepped forward as you men did in the 40s. He never said a word. He just sat there and he tapped his cane on the bottom of his foot like he always did. He'd take that cane, he looked, tapped it on his foot, never said a word. Then it was a few... Weeks later, when the troops went in and absolutely started decimating Iraq and started, you know, uh, shock and awe and all of these things, and, and, and the highest level of patriotism in many years took place after 9-11. And I'll never forget, I was sitting there watching the news with my grandpa one day, and he was talking about the exploits of the, Ameri of the United States military, and I'll never forget it, man. They were, they were whooping everybody. And all he said is he says, hey, Mark, what do you think now? I said, gotcha, Grandpa. And he looked at me and he said, don't ever question the patriotism of the greatest country. And although we might live in a day where we say patriotism is at an all-time low, I still believe that if someone was to challenge our freedom of America, you would see all rate, all colors, all sizes, all different religious beliefs. We would band together to protect our freedom. Somebody say amen. amen. But we understand that these men and these 
these women that have given their life for their country, they paid the ultimate price, I would hope to think, because they love their country. But I will say this. If you have a true friend, there's no doubt if you're the right kind of friend and you love like you should love, then you'll sacrifice for that friend. Chapters 18, chapter 19, and chapter 20 describe the covenant that Jonathan made with David. And we see here as the prince, the lawful heir to the throne, we see that he was going to be, should have been, the lawful heir to the throne of Israel. We see him do something beautiful here in chapter 18. And again, I want you to put your spiritual eyes on. Because I know of another wonderful friend that sacrificed himself and laid his garments down. But we find here in this passage that Jonathan took off all of his clothes, even his sword. And by the way, that was a great rich symbolism of something else more beautiful of our heavenly friend. But I want you to know something. When Jonathan took his clothes off, he took his tunic off, he took his robe off, he took his sword off, he took his armor off, he gave it to David. Now keep in mind, Saul had offered his armor to David and refused it. Now Saul, son, Jonathan, offers him everything and he gives it to him. What a sacrifice. What a beautiful picture of humility. Jonathan sacrificing for David. Can I say it signified that David would inherit the throne and Jonathan knew it. It symbolizes that David basically was the son of the king. Now y'all just sit still and don't get excited. But when he took the clothes of Jonathan, he basically, the only one that should have had that weapon, the only one that should have had that robe was the king's son. Yet the king's son gave him everything signifying that no longer Jonathan symbolically was the throne to the heir because he was the son. He now symbolized David was the actual son of the king. Now, I don't know about y'all this morning, but I'm certainly thankful that I am a child of the king. I am thankful this morning that my great heavenly father, my great heavenly friend laid his garments down and he came to this old wicked world. He robed himself in flesh and humbled himself and went to the death of the cross to pay for my sin. And because he paid for my sin, because he humbled himself and robed himself in flesh and hung upon a cross, And as a five-year-old boy, I trusted Jesus as my Savior. He washed my sins away. And oh yes, I am now a child of the King. All because my heavenly friend laid his robe down, came from his position in heaven, and became 100% man without without ceasing to be 100% God, yet came and died even the death of the cross that I might go free. Thank God for my heavenly friend. Sacrifice. Can I say this? None of us again are ready to be married. But I can promise you this. If you're not ready to sacrifice yourself for your love, then you're not ready. Now as time goes on, we obviously mature and we understand this. But I want you to know something. A true friend sacrifices. A true friend 
sacrifices. Now think about this. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Talking about sacrifice. Real friends sacrifice for one another. They do what is best for the other. That is how friendships are built over time. We mature in this. But we see Saul's successor to the throne. What an act of selfishness for Jonathan to give up his destiny to follow God's plan. Can I ask all of you a question? Who is your greatest friends on earth? What do you think about that? I think sometimes we get confused about this. I, I say many times we do not realize the sacrifice that others do for others. Can I say to every child here just a second, I doubt you truly can enter in or understand until you become one yourself how much your mother sacrifices for you. I doubt until you become a mother, you really fully understand that. Until you become a father, I don't really believe that anyone can truly understand the sacrifice that our parents do for us. But true love sacrifices. And be honest with you, to be honest with you, in my life, I can look at the women in my life. The women in my life. When I think about the women in my life, I think of my mother, my wife, other close folks in my family, women in this church. But you know what? When I see a godly woman, I see a woman that you do not have to beat them over the head to sacrifice for their children. It kind of comes natural, doesn't it? Most women I know will take a bullet for their children. They will go without... So that your children will have. We take that for granted. Growing up, you know, my mother, she was able to be at home. My sister was a little older than me. She went to school first. So I got to spend a lot of time with my mother. And I remember my mother, even now, I like to reminisce. When we were coming back from the ark, I was reminiscing. And I was trying to think of things when I was a boy. I remember my mother going without just to make sure that her children were taken care of. What is that? That's love. I've watched my wife sacrifice and surrender her own well-being for the health and the wealth and the well-being of her children. But now we're living in a day where it's kind of like this. You get your own. I can't imagine that we live in a day now where mothers will take their children and throw them in a garbage trash can. That's the kind, that is such love that I'm not, I don't recognize, do you? I can't imagine a love of a mother in the most safest place of a child and a mother letting that child life be taken. That's unnatural love. I would think in a true love, authentic love, it's where love is sacrificing for someone else. And I'm seeing that here in this passage that Jonathan made a covenant with David. He said, look, I'm going to sacrifice my destiny for you. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. So we see that this true friendship 
It's built by love. We see that it's a sacrifice one for another. But as I close this morning, we see that true friendship protects one another. Chapter 19 and chapter 20, if you was to read it with me, time and time again, David is protected by Jonathan. It's beautiful. Look at chapter 19. Let me just read the first three verses. And Saul spake to Jonathan, his son, and all his servants, that they should kill David. So now, Jonathan now has made a pact. He loves David as his own soul, but this is his father. So because he has the father's ear, here's what's beautiful. Y'all ready? Jonathan intercedes on behalf of David. Do y'all believe we have a heavenly friend interceding for us? Can I say here, the Bible says in verse 2, But Jonathan's soul's son delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeketh to kill thee now. Therefore I pray thee, take heed to thyself until the morning, and abide in a secret place, and hide thyself. So now he's protecting his friend. Can I say, a true friend will protect you. By the way, can I help everyone with this? Some of you younger folks need to hear this and hear it well. Your best friends are people that will tell you the truth whether you like it or not. See, that's why I say this. I know some, look, I'm just telling you. Our children need parents. They need leaders. They have peers. Peers normally, but a true peer, a true friend will tell you what you need to hear whether you want to hear it or not. You know why some people like other people to do that? Because they want to remain happy with that person. They would rather you get upset with someone else. By the way, when a mother and father are on the same page, both parents ought to stand together with that because normally what likes to happen is a parent feels the same way, but some won't say a word because they don't want their children mad at them. But a true friend, let me tell you something. Jonathan told David the truth. He said, no, my dad's going to kill you. My dad's going to kill you. He told him everything that his father told him. He said, no, he was honest with David. You know why? He's trying to protect David. He said, oh, here's what he did. Oh, no, you're all right. You're all right. And David could have come around and let his guard down and one of them javelins could have hit him because y'all do know Saul tried to kill him twice with a javelin. But he was on guard because of what Jonathan told him. He said, no, my father is trying to kill you. Not only that, he loved him here that he was protecting him. Here's what he did. He interceded on his behalf. It's beautiful. Again and again and again, Jonathan protects David. He even takes the wrath. Y'all know the story where he shot the bow? He said, all right, now I'm going to talk to my father. Because see, Saul was kind of up and down. One minute he was mad at David was going to kill him and then the next minute Jonathan would intercede and Saul would kind of calm down. And so David kind of knew that Saul wanted to kill him but Jonathan the son said, well, let's give him a chance. So Jonathan was the go-between. Y'all remember the story he's in a kid. He said, if I shoot the arrow a certain way, you know it's safe. If I don't shoot it a certain way, you know that it's not safe. And so we know that he finally said, look, Saul's intention is going to kill you, David. And so Jonathan protected him again in chapter 20. Again and again, Jonathan protected him. What true friends, right? We know that Jonathan protected David by finding out the true interests and the intentions of his father. By sending the signal arrow, telling him to go into hiding and his father was going to kill him. Yes, true friends protect 
one another. But I want to close. As friendships go, there's none that are tighter in the Bible than David and Jonathan. They loved, they sacrificed, and they protected. But there's one other special friendship that I would remiss if we ignored today. Jesus calls us his friend. Can I ask you to open your Bible to the gospel according to John? And I want to read just a few verses here, then we're going to close. Gospel according to John I want, to, I, want to, I want the Bible to teach us something about how God looks at us, the friendship, the friendship that we have with the Lord. I want you to notice John chapter 15. I'm going to first read verse 15. The Bible says in verse 15, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Now here's what's beautiful. As Jonathan stood in that field talking to his father, his father revealed unto him his intentions and he let David know everything, the intentions of his father. Why did he do that? Because he was a real friend. Consider John chapter 15 here as we look at several things. As we see the type of Jonathan's friendship with David as our friendship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say, as I said, true friends love one another as their own, soul, their own souls. Can I say, Jesus loves us as his own. Look at verse 9 in chapter 15. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. I don't know about y'all this morning, but God loves you just like he loves himself. He's our great friend. Can I say, as Jesus hath revealed, as Jonathan revealed the will of his father to David, notice what the Lord Jesus says here in verse 15. He said, I don't call you servants. He said, I call you friends. Why? Because he says, I've revealed unto you what my father has said. By the way, I don't know about y'all, but we know the intentions of God the Father. By the way, it's been recorded in his word. We know in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. And by the way, we just got back from the Ark Encounter and the museum up in Williamstown and near Cincinnati, Ohio. I would recommend everybody to go. To both. To both. Take the time, read it. There are, there's amazing things there. You, the book of Genesis and the book of, and, and creation will open up to you in a way that you've probably never seen it. But I say all that to say this. We have been revealed. God has revealed to us His intentions. We know how God thinks. We know what God has done. And we know what God is going to do. You know why? He loves us. Now I don't know about y'all. If all we had was this whole wicked world, we'd all be miserable. But I thank God He's revealed the future and we're, we win. <laughs> We win. Well, I'm on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side. No more. Some of y'all need to tell your face y'all are on the winning side. You're on the winning side. God, you say, Pastor, how do you know? Because we're more than a servant. He's told us so. We're not just servants, we're friends. Hey, we're privy to information. I think sometimes people say, man, I tell you right now, I'd like to be in that place of position because I'm privy to all this information. I want y'all to know something. It's not all what you think it's cracked up to be. 
I wish I knew less. The Bible says with much uh, knowledge comes what? More sorrow. The more you know, the more you got to deal with. I w- hey, look at me. I don't want to be the President of the United States for nothing. You say, oh, some people said, oh, I wish I knew what he knew. No, not really. But I want y'all to know something. I'm telling you something. We know everything he wants us to know. Because we're friends. You are privy to information that most people aren't. Amen. Why? Because we have a heavenly friend. So not only did Jonathan reveal the intention to David, Jesus has revealed his father's intention for us. Notice that, look, look at the types now. Not only did Jesus reveal the will of his father, verse 15, Jesus sacrificed for us just like Jonathan did David. I don't know about y'all, but he laid down his royal garments. He stripped himself. Do you know the Bible tells us that when Jesus hung on the cross, they stripped him of all of his royal garments. He he hung on the tree with nothing. Why did he do that? Because he sacrificed for us. I don't know about y'all, but I I want y'all to know, I believe the enthusiasm of Christians are at an all-time low. You 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 want me to tell you why I think? We've gotten over the joy and the wonder of being saved. Some of us have gotten over the joy and the wonder of it all. Oh, that's just Jesus. Oh, he's going to tell that story again about where Jesus died on the cross. Where if you'd have been there, you'd have never forgotten it. His beard was plucked out of his face. He was smitten. He was beaten. He was offered vinegar to drink. After he was dead, fulfillment of scripture, he had a spear stuck through his side. The Bible said in Psalm 22 that his insides looked at him. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, the Bible tells us that his insides looked at him. But we know by history, by Josephus, history tells us when the Romans would, would scourge someone, many times they died before they ever got to the cross. And we sometimes look at that like, oh, that's just the story of Jesus. No, he did that for us. Jesus sacrificed for us. He laid down His royal garments. Look at verse 13. The Bible says, Greater love hath no man that, that, he, that a man lay down his life for his friends. He laid his life down for us. What a beautiful friend. Can I say, Jesus protects us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, Ye are of God. Little children have overcome them because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm so thankful that my heavenly friend protects me. Now we have a great foe. The devil's a great foe. But I want to tell you something. Greater is he that is in me than our greatest foe here on this earth. And then as I close, I want you to notice. As Jonathan continually interceded on David's behalf. Praise God. I have an interceder always interceding for me. How about you? You know what that looks like? You know what that looks like when he stands on the right hand of the Father and you see him? That means when you sin. That means when you do something wrong and God the Father's wrath or his, his wrath wants to be kindled upon it because we know that he does because the Bible tells us in the Old Testament that his wrath, he wanted to destroy the very people he loved. But yet Moses was interceding on their behalf. He said, you created them. These are the ones you let out of Egypt, God. 
So Moses would intercede. And here's what's beautiful. My heavenly friend, Jesus Christ, is always interceding on my behalf. You know what that means? That means when I sin. That means when I do something wrong that rips out the heart of God, the Lord Jesus saying, Father, I paid for that. I paid for that. I paid for that. I paid for that. Oh, no longer can you see Mark's sin. Wait a minute. You no longer see Mark's sin. You see his friend's sin. Because Jesus died the death of the cross, paid for my sin. And when we get saved, the Bible says we become justified. And that means we're justified in the sight of God because of His Son. And our old dirty account is washed clean by the beautiful account, perfect account of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've been justified by the blood of Christ. And when God the Father sees me, He doesn't see Mark Brandon's sin. He sees His Son's perfection. I ask you this morning, do you know this friend? Do you know this friend, Jesus Christ? You know how you meet him? Well, you meet him a little different than you meet maybe a friend here on earth. The Bible says if you're going to have friends, you must show yourself friendly. But do you know what? If you're going to meet the friend, the heavenly Jesus friend, by faith, you have to come to him by faith. And you must realize that you're an old lost sinner deserving of hell, but he loved you so much. He died for you. He sacrificed for you. And he now wants you to trust him, the door, the way, the life. Jesus Christ is the way. And by faith, if you'll ask him to save you today, he'll save you. And you know what you become? You become a child of the king. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be a child of the heavenly king. Amen. You say, Pastor Mark, do you honestly believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? Look at me. Yes. Why do you believe that? The Bible tells us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a no-so. Do you know your friend today? way we close this invitation or close this service this morning with two applications. Number one, are you the right kind of friend? Do you love your friends as you love your own soul? Do you sacrifice for your friends? Do you protect your friends? If not, why not? But even greater, do you know your heavenly friend, the Lord Jesus Christ? If you don't, today's a good day to meet him. We'll introduce you to him. And I promise you this, to know him is to love him. He's the greatest friend you'll ever have. Amen? He'll never fail you. He'll never leave you. And his promises are always true. And all God's people said, let's stand to our feet this morning. I want to ask, are you this kind of friend? Are you this kind of friend? Do you love your spouse as you love yourself? Do you love your friends as you love yourself? Are you willing to sacrifice for your friends and for your spouse? Are you willing to protect them? That's pretty convicting. All of us can improve. But then lastly, I say, do you know this heavenly friend, Jesus? 
you can meet him today. With head bowed and eyes closed this morning, could I ask? You say, Pastor Mark, I'm here this morning and I am so very thankful that I have trusted Christ as my Savior. I know I don't deserve it, but I'm so glad Jesus, I met him one day by faith and I trusted him as my personal Savior. And I have no doubt that he's my Savior. By way of testimony, you just want to praise the Lord this morning. Raise your hand and say, boy, I'm glad I know Jesus. Isn't that a blessing? Praise God. But can I ask this question this morning? You say, Pastor Mark, I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. I don't know for sure. I have doubts about it. Let us help you. We have the answers. It's not our answers. It's the answers from the Bible. You say, Pastor Mark, that's me. I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. Would you pray for me? Could I see your hand just quickly? I'll do just that. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. They're going to play something on the piano. I'm going to ask, how many of you are thankful to have your heavenly friend? How many of you know that we need work in being the right kind of friend? Maybe we just need to get on the phone today or send a text or write a letter to somebody that's been the right kind of friend to us. But certainly all of us want to make sure we're the right kind of friend. And then do not leave this building without knowing for sure that you know the heavenly friend, the Lord Jesus Christ, as he loves us so. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your many blessings. We thank you for this special week and this weekend. I pray you'll help us not to take our freedom for granted. Lord, thank you for sacrificing for us, loving us, protecting us, interceding for us. Lord, I pray you'll help us to not take that for granted. Lord, if there's someone here, they do not know you as their personal Savior, I pray the Spirit of God will continue to convict them throughout this day. Well, thank you for what you do. We ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said... God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Happy Fourth of July. And God bless you.